You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? You are listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. Not over yet. No, there is another. Chewie, we're home. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome to a brand new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors on all the latest projects and movies and uh, upcoming exciting stuff in the Star Wars universe. Um, Today we got a lot of cool stuff to talk about in regards to Episode 8 and the Han Solo movie and Celebration Anaheim and all that good stuff. Um, So as always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim, with me. How's it going, Tim? Hey, what's up, Kyle? Doing good. I know on our last episode I said it was kind of quiet not that much official news going on but that's definitely not the case in this episode (laughs) like you said some cool stuff that's got announced since our last one and then just you know more much more bigger stuff to come on the horizon with celebration anaheim so yeah the quietness and i think the slow period is over for a bit so which is a good thing for star wars fans yeah definitely i think it's especially as celebration gets closer um and we're just over a month away from that now so um Man, should be a lot of cool stuff coming up as we uh, get headed towards that. But um, in the meantime, let's get started uh, and jump right into the stuff we've got to talk about today. Um, And so, you know, normally we start off talking about whatever the next movie is coming out, but uh, we'll jump backwards a little bit uh, and talk about Rogue One for a sec because um, we have an official release date for the Rogue One Blu-ray and digital release and all that kind of stuff. Um, It's going to be coming out on Digital HD March 24th um, and then on Blu-ray on April 4th. So um, yeah, it will not be long before you're able to experience uh, all the awesomeness in Rogue One uh, you know, over and over again in the comfort of your own home. So I am definitely looking forward to that. Oh, yes. And I'm already, you know, excited about the many different versions I'm going to be buying (laughs) on April 4th with the store exclusives, the steel case. And take a guess of which one I'm most excited about, which version. Well, let's see. I'm scrolling through them again and I'm like, I'm waiting to see the one that has Death Troopers. Um, That, of course, would be the Best Buy. Oh, right, right. There we go. Yeah, I, I missed it at first. How could you guess anything else, really? <laughs> but, yeah, it's pretty much almost like kind of the same as what we got last year for The Force Awakens Blu-ray, where you know Best Buy has their steel case, and Target has their exclusive bonus content that's not going to be on the other ones, and Walmart has their own exclusive case. So stuff that's kind of in that vein is similar. But 
Uh, the thing that's kind of different about this release in general is, you know, you know, the big thing last time was there was no 3D packaged in with the Force Awakens Blu-ray. We had to wait for the special edition for that. But this one, we are going to get the 3D, well, at least for some versions, the 3D version is going to be included in the Rogue One Blu-ray. But what's different also that what the Force Awakens had and this one didn't have is that the no deleted scenes, which I found really surprising when looking at the special features list. I was like, huh, out of all the movies where we know there's tons of <laughs> deleted stuff, which I ranted about when we talked about Rogue One in our review, but that's kind of surprising where they're not packaging in a DVD or a deleted scene section on the DVD and Blu-ray, which makes me think, well, maybe we are going to get another special edition release <laughs> in the fall like we did with The Force Awakens. That will have deleted scenes and commentary and all that stuff. So something similar to The Force Awakens release, something's different, but I'm definitely excited for it. I can't wait to bring it home and just watch it over and over again. And I got to say, the one thing that I am a little disappointed about where I don't know if I can hold out, the digital release the gap between that and the Blu-ray is a lot longer than it was for The Force Awakens. Force Awakens was just like a weekend from once the digital came out, and then that following Tuesday, it was out on Blu-ray. This one, it's a good 10 days before the Blu-ray comes out, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to hold out. <laughs> Knowing <laughs> I could be watching Rogue One, and there's special features that I could be watching, too. It was like, uh, am I going to have to double dip even on the digital release? So maybe I'll be getting four copies instead of three <laughs> eventually. But Yeah, I mean, you got the digital releases of the one through six, didn't you? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> See, there you go. But the, the Blu-rays never came with any digital codes for that, so like I had to. But this one, if I just wait a week, I'll get both without paying for extra, but I don't know if I can. <laughs> mm, how many times are you going to watch it in that week? I know, but a lot of it's really for the special features, too, because mm -hmm. I know... Everyone's going to be talking about that and giving their thoughts and either being excited for what they show. And if I see that, I'm like, uh, <laughs> I'm going to want to see it too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'll probably just wait till it comes out on Blu-ray and get it all that way. But um, yeah, it is kind of surprising that there are no deleted scenes in there. And I'm wondering, like, yeah, are they saving it for later for like a special edition I mean, not a special edition in terms of like adding in the deleted scenes, but you know, like a collector's edition release, like around Christmas time. But yeah. also, like, I wonder if they're just sort of trying to, I don't know, downplay the fact that there were so many changes and stuff. Like, um, you know, obviously it was like highly publicized, like how many reshoots and stuff the movie went through and how, you know, the ending changed and all that. And, now, obviously, we as fans all want to know, like, oh, well, what was the original ending and what changed in the reshoots and, you know, how was it originally going to end and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know, maybe they're just trying to be like, eh, just just be happy with what you get and you don't need to see the other stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder if they're really that concerned with about fans thinking that <laughs> regarding all the stuff that was changed or cut out from what we saw in trailers and whatnot but oh, it just seems strange because you know it's such a staple amongst dvd and blu-ray releases deleted scenes especially for star wars uh, ever since the first uh, episode one came out on dvd that was a big you know selling point to like this is why you got to get the dvd the, the deleted scenes and you continue on to the original trilogy release the blu-ray release the force awakens it just seems a little odd that rogue one's not having that yeah you could be right and maybe because of all that stuff, that is the reason, but I don't know. I just hope we do get to see them eventually, because it would be kind of strange not to get anything 
for uh, Rogue One's deleted scenes. Yeah, I hope so, too. And especially, you know, with all the stuff we saw in the trailers, too, that wasn't in the movie. Like, even if they are trying to kind of downplay some of the reshoots and stuff, it's like there's got to be stuff that fits in with the final cut of the movie that just, you know, didn't make it for the sake of time or whatever. So, exactly. Um, yeah, hopefully that'll all come around at some point. Yeah, but despite not having any deleted scenes on the Blu-ray, the special features on there do sound pretty good. I do like how mm-hmm. there's a featurette for every main character in this. I mean, you got one for Jin, Cassian, K2, Baze and Chirrut, Bodhi and Saw, then the Empire, and then there's just a general, I guess, featurette on you know the concept of Rogue One from John Knoll, which would be pretty cool. And then kind of what I expected, I mean, about a whole documentary on the technology they used to bring back princess leia and, and uh, grand moff tarkin for that so that mm-hmm. should be cool to see also and then the one that has me intrigued is the epilogue the story continues where uh filmmakers and casts celebrate rogue one's premiere and look forward into the future to the star wars story yet to be told i mean i don't know if we're gonna get any like, groundbreaking new reveals in that but maybe we'll get a new uh, look at the Han Solo film in episode eight, like some behind the scenes shots of them filming some look at characters and costumes or something to that effect where we'll get some new info or imagery that we haven't seen yet for those two movies, which should be pretty cool if that, if they do include something like that on that feature. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't expect a ton of stuff from that, like you said, but um yeah, I don't know. Maybe something new. I mean, the fact that this comes out like a couple weeks before celebration, like, yeah, we're not going to get any, you know, big reveals there that, you know, they would save for revealing on the celebration stage. But um, I don't know. I wonder if they'll maybe give any info about like the the Boba Fett movie that Josh Trank was going to do um, or even maybe throwing out like ideas for like, cons- you know, story concepts or characters or whatever that they might do at some point and you know just aren't like officially announcing yet and we don't know maybe if those movies are actually in production or not um yeah remember that meeting they were supposed to have in january about the future of upcoming star wars films beyond episode nine like it would be cool if you know they were filming part of that or they at least got to talk to those in the meetings to kind of not say what they're specifically going to do but just kind of get a feel of what they were talking about and what the the feeling is amongst them going forward beyond episode nine that'd be cool if they were there for that moment yeah i definitely hope they were filming that but if they were and if we ever get to see any of it i would think that'll probably be on the blu-ray for episode eight or nine and not on rogue one since that's like you know mainly pertaining to the saga films yeah but plus be a good way you know to as it wraps up to get you excited for what's coming next beyond episode nine. So I can see that. Yeah. But just the fact that it happened already in January, if they kind of put something quickly together from that to put as a bonus feature, I thought would be pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, if there's anything that they can, you know, show from that, that isn't, uh, you know, giving away too much or anything, but um, I don't know. Either way, it's just going to be exciting to be able to have this movie on Blu-ray and DVD and, you know, on your phone or your computer or whatever. And, just be able to watch that Vader scene on repeat on a loop like 24-7 because, like, what else is there to watch? I know. Usually before I watch the actual movie, when I get it for the first time on Blu-ray, I check out the special features, like, on that Tuesday night, and then there's one scene I watch just, you know, to see how it looks on Blu-ray and everything, and 
I think I'm going to go directly to that Darth Vader scene. Either that or something with the Death Troopers. Yeah, I was going to say, you're probably just going to like watch the Death Troopers kill everybody. <laughs> but it's hard not to choose that Vader scene. But <laughs> Yeah, I man, I definitely cannot. I just can't wait to watch the whole movie again. Yeah, that um, too. You know, and I keep talking about how much I love the soundtrack. And just every time I listen to it, I think, man, I want to watch this movie again. So mm-hmm. I am definitely going to be excited to pick it up and finally get to do that. Yep, and it looks like we can count on, you know, end of March, early April, so when we can get these upcoming Star Wars movies that come out in December on Blu-rays. It's, it looks like mm-hmm. they're following a similar pattern, which is great. It's really not that long after the movie comes out when you think about it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's crazy, like, how quick the turnaround time is these days. I know. I remember back in the old days when we were waiting for VHS of the big blockbuster movie where sometimes it almost take up to a year to get it on VHS. Yeah, man. <laughs> Of course, that's because they had to, like, make all the, you know, VHS tapes, and I'm sure it's a lot faster to burn discs and stuff, but (laughs) I think they've also figured, you know, the market for it, Um, you know, just the way that these blockbusters get marketed and stuff nowadays. It's like, yeah, there's plenty of stuff out there that you could watch, but we'd rather just watch Star Wars over and over again than, you know, go see Transformers 5 or something. Um, But, you know. So that's coming uh, March 24th on Digital HD, April 4th on Blu-ray. Um, also, uh, speaking of Rogue One, there was also a new novel announced uh, called Inferno Squad. Um, this is going to be written by Christy Golden, who wrote uh, Star Wars Dark Disciple. And this is going to be sort of like a follow-up to Rogue One. Um, in fact, I think it's it's kind of described as like a direct follow-up but then i think it actually takes place after not just the theft of the death star plans but the actual destruction of the death star um but yeah they've got an excerpt from it or not an excerpt but a a brief description of it here it says after the humiliating theft of the death star plans and the resulting destruction of the battle station the empire is on the defensive in response to the stunning defeat the imperial navy has authorized the formation of an elite team of soldiers known as inferno squad their mission, infiltrate and eliminate the remnants of Saw Gerrera's partisans. Following the death of their leader, the partisans have carried on his extremist legacy, determined to thwart the Empire, no matter what the cost. Now Inferno Squad must prove their status as the best of the best and take down the partisans from within. But as the danger intensifies and the threat of discovery grows, how far will Inferno Squad go to ensure the safety of the Empire? So, this definitely sounds like it's going to be interesting. Um... You know, and we've talked about, like, how much we love, you know, just Saw Gerrera as this connecting thread that keeps popping up in all these different Star Wars stories. And so to see one now that takes place after Rogue One, after he's died, and still see sort of the the effects of his character continuing on and seeing, um, you know, that he still has little pockets of resistance out there, you know, carrying on his legacy of sort of being this military extremist and fighting the Empire, Um and, you know, obviously getting to, well, not actually see, but read about what I'm sure is going to be like a cool new Imperial squad. Um, but then also, you know, seeing how they deal with, uh, you know, Saw Gerrera's guys and dealing with it from an Imperial perspective. Like, I'm sure this is going to be a really interesting story. So uh, that's coming out July 25th. And uh, that also sounds like something interesting to look out for. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. Uh, for one uh being a written or for it being written by uh, Christy Golden, who did Dark Disciple, which I love, so that's you know a point for it right there as far as 
being excited for it. And then just the fact that, you know, we're getting a new Imperial Elite Squadron that we're going to be able to read about, which is always awesome. I mean, we just got one in the Star Wars comics, uh, Scar Squad, which which is a really cool batch of Stormtroopers. With uh, They kind of remind me of the Bad Batch from the uh, era Clone Wars arc. And it kind of makes me think, I wonder why they just didn't use them for this novel. Because that would have been cool unless, you know, something happens to them in the course of the comics. But it would have been a cool tie-in if this was Scar Squadron. But, you know, I can't wait to see more about Inferno Squad. They sound cool in the description. And another part of me thought, well, it'd be cool if this was actually a squadron of Death Troopers. And that's, <laughs> this one was called Inferno Squad. But I guess this is a brand new creation because of uh, the aftermath of what happened with the Death Star. So that'll be cool to see, too. Hopefully there'll be cool descriptions of what their armor is going to be. Not just, you know, generic trooper armor. Hopefully it'll be something unique for them. And then later on we'll get some artwork showing what they look like. Cause that'd be cool. So, yeah, I'm excited for this one. Like you said, getting uh, more with Saul Guerrero and his uh, band of rebels and what they're up to since he, he died. And, you know, they're probably, after hearing the destruction of the Death Star, they're probably more motivated to continue on as the description describes their extreme ways. So, And to see the Empire try to tackle that will be cool. So, yeah, I can't wait to check this one out. Yeah, definitely. And you know what? Even, like, on the cover, it's just, like, an Imperial logo that, you know, kind of has a flame texture to it, but it says cover, not final. So on the cover, we could very well end up getting a picture of what these guys look like. Cause yeah, I think it would be cool if there was some new kind of armor involved, but yeah, it's like if there's a visual to, or, you know, if there's some kind of description to that, like it would be even cooler to have an actual visual of it. So, um, hopefully we'll get to see that at some point, but I think it would also maybe be cool even in that regard. Like if they were, if not death troopers, then maybe like, you know, a, a remnant of the Death Trooper program or something sort of yeah. carrying on that legacy just in the same way as these partisan guys are sort of carrying on Saw Gerrera's legacy. So the whole premise of the novel could almost be like Saw Gerrera and uh, director Krennic like going at it from beyond the grave. Yeah, that'd be, that's a good way to look at it. Now I can't hope they do go for that because they just they start thinking where, you know, the Death Troopers were just can't save them for, you know, to be bodyguards of our elite Imperial officers. It's time to use them for something else for more extreme measures. So mm-hmm. maybe, like you said, they take the cadets that are part of that Death Trooper training and just put them into the squad or something like that. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, plus, yeah, like you said, we know that the Death Troopers were not just like Krennic's personal guys, but, um, you know, Thrawn's going to have them on rebels coming up here soon um and that yeah they were kind of assigned to like all the you know protecting the high-ranking officials in the imperial military so um once most of them probably got blown up on the death star they're like well let's just send their bodyguards out and hunt down the guys who did this (laughs) yeah and if they are you know cadets taken from the death trooper training program i won't mind if they don't get new armor they just have their standard death trooper (laughs) black armor i'll be perfectly okay with that yeah i'm sure you and a lot of people would be plenty happy with that (laughs) but again Um, i'm sure they can't resist at the opportunity to create more cool looking uh, stormtrooper armor so yeah part of me thinks it will be something new yeah i mean that's kind of a win-win regardless if you're a fan of the empire and you know, new armors and stuff like that. Exactly. <laughs> um, just as long as they're not like these awesome commando guys in regular stormtrooper armor. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You want to <laughs> put them in that cheap crappy armor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Um, all right, well, moving on from the Rogue One stuff, we'll jump ahead a bit to the Han Solo movie, which we talked about on our last episode where uh, the directors had tweeted out a picture of you know, the, the first shot happening, um, saying that the movie was now in production. Well, shortly after that, um, after we had already recorded and posted our episode, then StarWars.com posted an official press release uh, saying that the Han Solo movie officially begins filming. Um, this was from back on t- February 21st. Um, and along with the announcement, they also uh, sort of officially announced some of the cast members who we had heard you know rumors and speculation about um so let's see if we read the the press release here it says phil lord and christopher miller are directors co-piloting the movie with a cast that includes alden ehrenreich as han solo woody harrelson amelia clark donald glover as lando calrissian thandy newton and phoebe waller bridge with junis suotamo as chewbacca um and then uh just a few days after, or I guess a couple weeks after that, um, they also announced uh, that Michael Kenneth Williams, um, who I guess is uh, well known for being uh, in the TV show The Wire um, as a character Omar, um, which I haven't seen, but I've heard you know a lot of good stuff about the show and his performance, and he is also joining the movie. So, um, and that's not just you know a rumor from somewhere or whatever. Like that's uh, kind of an addendum that was made um, on StarWars.com. So it's like, hey, this is, movie is officially in production. Here's everybody who's in it. Oh, wait, and here's one more guy who's in it. Um, but man, to see this picture is cool. They, you know, along with the press release, they uh, had kind of a, I don't know if you'd call this a production photo or whatever, but it's the directors and, you know, a lot of the main cast all posing together in the cockpit of the, of the Millennium Falcon um, with all of them in their normal clothes except for uh, Chewie standing over the back of all of them. So, um which just makes it more awesome (laughs) yeah exactly yeah yeah this was when i first saw this i gotta be honest when i looked at my phone because when i found out if i got a notification from the star wars app and it said han solo smuggler scoundrel hero a new star wars story i'm like oh that's the title is it all that stuff han solo smuggler scoundrel hero and then i said oh wait it's it's just the headline for the actual news story. So, okay. But I actually thought that was going to be the title. Like, oh man, all the stuff we were speculating on and what it could be like smuggler, a Han Solo Star Wars story or uh, whatever. They included all three of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, okay, they're really not leaving anything out, but still waiting on the title. But yeah, it was still cool to see this image, seeing all the actors uh, together on, you know, the iconic set of the Falcon. And just, you know, I'm sure as everyone on the force awakens felt this, what a thrill was to be in that set and being on that iconic, uh, the Falcon cockpit with Chewie in co- with mm-hmm. the, the new actor playing Chewie in costume. So yeah, it must've been really cool. Yeah. And you know, it's funny cause I had the same reaction when I first saw this like pop up on my phone and I don't think I even saw that. Um, well, it's like, I didn't quite register all the words, and I don't know if I saw this as like a notification from Twitter or I, I think I actually saw this one from the Star Wars app that I have on my phone, you know, like the official app where you have all the, you know, the sound clips and the the GIFs and emojis and stuff. Um, and it also has, you know, a news feed and it'll send you like news alerts whenever there's, you know, sometimes for like big news um you know, and, and announcements about, you know, the movies and stuff, they'll send, um, you know, little push notifications or whatever on your phone. And so I think seeing that it was from the official Star Wars app and then just seeing 
Han Solo and then all these descriptive words, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the title. And then as I read it, <laughs> I'm just like, smuggler, scoundrel, hero, a new Star Wars story begins. And it's just a press release about how it starts filming. And I'm like, man, we still don't have a title for it yet. Yeah. I think seeing the word Star Wars story, which, but you know, just quickly looking at it, let's your mind thinks, you know, oh, that's the title. If it didn't have a Star Wars story in there, I probably mm-hmm. wouldn't have thought that right away. But the fact that it did and it had that all the stu- other stuff in there, too, that, you know, it's really kind of made you think <laughs> that, okay. That's uh, true, too. Yeah, because I probably just skimmed over it and saw Han Solo, blah, 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 Star Wars yeah, story exactly. begins. And I was like, oh, that's the title. It's, you know, something Han Solo, Star Wars story. And then I was like, oh, no, it just has a bunch of descriptions about Han Solo and then says a new Star Wars story begins. <laughs> Yes. So one letdown and an otherwise <laughs> cool story of seeing all the actors and directors together. But I don't know. I'm wondering if that's if it's still going to be at celebration, if we should expect that, or if it's still going to be too soon for them to announce what the title is going to be. You know, I think, honestly, I think it depends on whether or not they have a title. Like, that's a good point. Because we know. And, you know, we might have talked about this on our last episode when we were talking about potential titles for this and stuff. But, like, Ryan Johnson has talked about how um, when, like, when they unveiled the title The Last Jedi for Episode 8, he said he had that title in mind since his first treatment of the script. Whereas with The Force Awakens, I don't think they even had an official title for it until, like, after they finished filming. Um, And it was just, like this is star Wars episode seven. Now, what are we going to call it? Um, so I don't know, maybe they haven't settled on a title for this yet because you would think, well, I don't know. I mean, maybe they would have announced it by now. Um, I'm trying to remember when, like, when did they announce rogue one? Yeah. We definitely knew the title of rogue one for celebration Anaheim. And I think a few months before that, so yeah, that was well in advance. So when that movie actually came out, yeah, so maybe they just don't have a title for it yet. But if they do, I would think we probably will get that announced at Celebration. Um, but if they don't, then I don't think... Like, obviously, they're not going to tell us a title if they don't have one. But they are, they are also probably aren't going to say that they don't have one. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. They're not going to be like, oh, well, we know you all came here hoping to find out what the movie's going to be called. But we don't know yet. Yeah, and speaking of the title, uh, we actually got one of our followers on Twitter sent us a message saying regarding the title, as we were talking about in the last episode, he, his suggestion was calling it The Smuggler, A Star Wars Story. But then he also said maybe there could be some offbeat like Kessel Run describing maybe what the main event of the film would be. And that kind of got me thinking, well, it would be cool if the whole story revolved around the Kessel Run. And that's what we got more information about that legendary a run that Han Solo did that he always brags about. Mm-hmm. But even if it's not, if it's the title is going to be uh, like referred to either what the main plot is or an event that happens in the movie where maybe it won't be, you know, Han Solo in the title, but it will be something like Rogue One where it's not specifically naming a character, but then at the end it will say a Star Wars story. So uh, that could be something that I didn't think about. So thank you, Paul J., who's at JJ Farms, for tweeting that out to us. It made me think that well, maybe we're thinking about it wrong where – it, Han Solo might not be in the title, but it'll be specifically about something else that uh, pertains to the movie. So I don't know. I still like Scruffy Nerf Herders, a Star Wars <laughs> story. Not going <laughs> to lie. I think that sounds good, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm sure if they don't have a title set yet, they're kicking all these same ideas around at Lucasfilm right now. Um, except they know about know more, a whole lot more about what's actually in the movie than we do. Um, but yeah, it'll obviously be interesting to uh, see what it ends up being when we finally find out. And hopefully that'll be in just over a month or so. But if not, and eh, we got the Last Jedi in the meantime. Yep, <laughs> we're not going to be starving for. The only information on the Han Solo movie. There'll be plenty of other stuff. Yeah, exactly. Keep us fed for our excitement. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to get a new trailer for The Last Jedi at Celebration and come away going, man, but we still didn't find out what the name of the Han Solo movie is going to be. Uh, Celebration Orlando was a failure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, anyway, we've got that to look forward to. Um, now let's get to one of our favorite parts of every episode, which is the episode eight rumors and speculation section. Um, man, I feel like we need some like intro music just for talking about the episode eight rumors yeah. or something. <laughs> this feels like it needs to have like a segue into its own segment, except we usually start off with this. So, um, I don't know. Um, but anyway, we've just got a couple of things to talk about here, but some intriguing stuff uh the first is uh, a rumor from the guys at making star wars and um this is about like the state of the galaxy as the last jedi begins and just kind of the repercussions of the events of the force awakens um and you know so obviously minor spoilerish type stuff here um if you don't want to know anything going into episode eight but i feel like we don't even have to talk about or you know mention spoiler warnings like that at this point because you know, if you've been listening to the show for a while, like, you know, the level of stuff we get into. Um, and honestly, like, I haven't even seen any rumors yet for episode eight that are like really spoilerish or, you know, anything that I've had to stay away from or send to Tim for screening first. Because, you know, with The Force Awakens, I would say like, hey, I saw that new rumor about, uh, you know, what's going to happen to Luke in the movie. Like, have you read that yet? Because I want to know if it's really spoilerish or not. Um, well, there was that one. I won't describe it because we talked about it in the episode with that sequence in episode eight that got us pretty hyped up. Well, actually, yeah, that is true. And it's funny because I almost forgot about that because that was so long ago. Yeah. It was like before Rogue One came out. Yeah, it was like right in the middle of the filming for episode eight. Yep. Yeah, it was like during like the middle of the year or something because I remember like November, December, like we had a couple of episode eight rumors. Where we were like, you know, what? let's just save them till after Rogue One comes out and then we'll talk about it. Um, but yeah, so there was that. But um, that was the biggest, I will say. That hasn't been anything yet that I've seen that's come close to being on that scale as far as, you know, rumors and as far as it being something really big. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of what I figured. Um, But anyway, I mean, this stuff sounds pretty cool. Um, Like I said, they're talking about just sort of the the state of the galaxy in terms of like allegiances and factions and things like that. I mean, obviously, we know that the first order kind of uh you know cut the head off of the republic in the force awakens by destroying the hosnian system which is where the galactic senate and everything was you know headquartered at the time um but also they're talking about how uh for snoke like his whole mo with the first order was kind of operating from the shadows and um sort of preying on the fact that you know, the Republic was kind of complacent and that people were 
you know, tired of war after so many years of war with the Empire and that nobody really wanted to take the First Order as a threat seriously. And he kind of just hid in the shadows and bided his time. And so the fact that they, you know, discovered Starkiller Base and destroyed it and that now everyone kind of knows that the First Order is a threat, um, that is kind of a setback for him just as much as destroying, you know, the Republic Senate was a victory. So um, it's almost like both sides have kind of suffered setbacks now and it's kind of like okay where do we go from here um because like i said for snoke he kind of has to regroup and you know figure out um you know how he's going to operate now with everybody knowing that the first order is a thing and that it is a, a threat that they're going to go after um but at the same time obviously the republic is now in utter chaos um but the resistance is probably going to gain support because uh you know, Leia had been kind of the only major player in the Senate and everything um, who was advocating for like taking order or taking action against the First Order. And now like anybody who's left and who has any power in the Republic is like, OK, yeah, we'll we'll join up with you and fight these guys. We uh, we see that you were right now because uh, they, they blew us all up. Yeah, like you said, just the idea of what the galaxy is like now post The Force Awakens is it seems like how it should be, at least in my opinion, what you'd expect it to be. And the thing that has me kind of excited to see most is more on the First Order side of things because kind of as this description was, uh, or this report was describing it, was how, you know, the galaxy is in complete disarray. But I think that's going to be more on, you know, the whole what's left of the Republic and the Resistance. There's going to be so many people in there probably not knowing what to do and who should be in charge and, like, how do we go about this now? There's going to be brought a lot of probably a lot of budding heads as far as who should make those fight those calls and you know how exactly they should proceed with this upcoming war but when it comes to the first order at least from what i took out of this was that you know while i'm sure snoke is not happy he lost star killer base i think there's gonna be a part of him that's glad he doesn't have to work from the shadows anymore and now they can just you know no longer hide go full on out as far as you know going where they need to go to take completely take down the Republic, conquer whatever planet they need to, just to, you know, make their strength known where, you know, I think they're going to, he's going to look at this as, you know, we can really let ourselves be known throughout the galaxy that we're to be feared and, you know, that we're coming to take over the galaxy and really uh, just destroy the Republic for good now. And I think it's a part of him that's going to be excited about that, despite the big loss he suffered by Starkiller Base. So I'm excited to see how the, first order reacts to that you know and seeing them really kind of spread their wings so to speak throughout the main sectors of the galaxy not just in the own unknown regions where they've been hiding the last 30 some odd years so it's going to be cool to see them finally have their big coming out party <laughs> which mm -hmm. is you know if we get to see that on a grand scale it's going to be pretty cool so yeah. yeah i'm excited to see that if it all plays out this way yeah but at the same time i mean i feel like their big coming out party was star killer base destroying the Hosnian system, and so it's kind of like... Well, I guess I should say for, like, major, major war, I guess, because that yeah. was kind of, I guess, their declaration <laughs> of war type of thing, but now we're going to see him full-on in battle, so... Yeah, and, and attack, I, I, I get what you're saying. It's just, like, at the same time, you know, I can also kind of see them being like, man, well, we had built up this whole plan to, like, build up our forces in the shadows and then finally reveal ourselves and surprise you guys with this huge battle station. And now when we finally surprise everybody and reveal ourselves, 
now the battle station's destroyed. So, uh, here, we'll just throw all these other forces at you and uh, let Captain Phasma and the stormtroopers and stuff do their thing. But, uh, man, it sure would have been nice to have that big planet-killing weapon still around yeah. right about now. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really get into this in the uh, article right here, but just as far as thinking about Snoke's state of mind and how he wants to proceed with things now, I'm sure the fact that him knowing they have the location of Luke Skywalker and uh, for all intents and purposes, he probably knows that Ray's either on her way there or she's there already and how that's going to affect with his uh, manipulation and how to move things along for the First Order and their attack against the Republic. So I'm sure all that's going to play into a factor as far as how they're going to, you know, this new... I don't know what they're going to call it, this new war, because we got the Clone Wars, we got the, the Galactic Civil War. I'm anxious to see what this new <laughs> war is going to be called in the sequel trilogy. But it seems like it's really going to get kicked off in Episode Eight, on where both sides are going to be heavily involved with it. So, And like I said, I just wonder how much of Luke... Well, we know he's going to play a big factor, but as far as Snoke's plan and how he's going to move forward, and maybe that's the Luke side of things is only going to affect his training with Kylo Ren, but all the military stuff is kind of not going to be too much concerned with Luke, but on the other side of things, that's going to be separate. So maybe he's going to split the two in different ways, but I'm just curious to see how he's all going to handle this. And You know, he has a pretty big legacy to live up to with Palpatine and all his maneuvering and his plans that he laid out, which succeeded until Return of the Jedi. So that was a master plan, and I wonder if Snoke has anything Mm -hmm. close to that and how much has it been affected by the destruction of Starkiller base and with Ray finding Luke. So it's going to be interesting to see all that. Yeah. I just hope that we get this explored further in the movie, because honestly, like this one rumor article right here has more information about like the state of the galaxy than we got in the whole force awakens. Mm. So, you know, again, like I totally get that they're trying to make it closer to the original trilogy and that a lot of people weren't crazy about like all the political stuff in the prequels, but I'm like, okay, so don't spend like half an hour's worth of screen time of the movie in the Galactic Senate, but have us, you know, have somebody like explain the stuff that's going on you know, talk about the Senate and the leaders of the First Order and the Resistance and just kind of you know, give us a, a just a brief overview of what the state of the galaxy is. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, <laughs> we got all that information the next day when the visual guy came out, but <laughs> yeah, we exactly. probably should have gotten in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least some of it. Um, and again, it's like, you know, whether you like that about the prequels or not, like it's part of Star Wars now. And so it kind of felt weird that they completely ignored that in the force awakens and it's ne- i feel it's necessary too i mean yeah like yeah. i said i know that wasn't the people's or i shouldn't say everyone's but some fans one of their least favorite parts about the prequels of the senate stuff and you know it gets joked around how boring it is and whatnot but it's pretty vital and important to the overall saga of star wars and you just need to know that when you're talking about a galactic war going on and there's going to be politics involved and maybe it's something you know at least for episode one all that stuff had great payoff, I think, as you got down into episode two and Renders of Sith, and even in the Clone Wars, all that stuff paid off with seeing Palpatine do his things and how the Senate got involved in the downfall mm-hmm. of the Republic and the creation of the Empire. So it all plays an important part, and I think it's going to do the same for the sequel trilogy and the war that's going to be started there, but they just need to explain it to us in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like, just 
you know, little bits of info here and there, but just, you know, more than what we got in The Force Awakens. Yeah. <laughs> Don't make us read the visual guide to find it all out. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be scared to do it. It'll be, it'll be worthwhile in the end. Yeah. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> As the great Palpatine says. Speaking of which, um, and you were talking about Snoke living up to Palpatine's legacy i was going to mention just my theory that i had that i texted you and paul about the other night that's right yep. this was just but one I of those heard. things that late at night just randomly popped into my head and was just like kind of blew my mind and then i sat back and thought about it i was like eh, i don't know if that would really happen or not but i don't know i'll just throw it out there because i think it sounds cool and you guys can you know reply on you know, send me a message on Twitter or something. Let me know what you think. But, you know, I was thinking about um, Snoke and the First Order and all that. And then I was thinking about Palpatine. And so, you know how there's like Order 66 and then everybody, you know, for a while was, I mean, sometimes it would kind of be a joke, but everybody would be like, well, what was Order 1 through 65? And, uh, you know, I mean, again, some people would, you know, make jokes out of it or some people would like legitimately want to know, like, did Palpatine have all these other, you know, executive orders or, uh, you know, backup plans in place or whatever. And I was like, whoa, what if Palpatine had some kind of like contingency plan in place for continuing on his legacy and continuing on sort of the, the Sith tradition and the knowledge of the dark side and this continued quest for galactic domination in the event that his plan ever failed or that the empire was overthrown or anything like that. And what if that was order number one? And so the first order is literally Palpatine's first order. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I know when I saw that text I was like, Oh man, never thought of that before, but it, does make sense if they were to go that route and i will say too i just finished reading aftermath empire zen about two days ago and while it's not exactly like that it does give into detail to palpatine's plan and contingencies for what if the empire fell and you know it kind of leads into what you were saying there I won't go into too much but because of spoilers for those who haven't finished reading it yet or will read it later on but it's not that far out there as far as that type of thinking and Palpatine having something like that. Cause aftermath definitely has, uh, some stuff in there that reveals of what Palpatine was up to. That leads into what you were saying with that dairy Kyle. I will say that. Yeah. I, I thought that was pretty cool. I don't know if that's going to end up being the actual case. Um, man, I, it just has me really wanting to know more about Snoke. <laughs> I'm like I know, especially yeah. Like I said, reading aftermath, it definitely sheds some light on Palpatine's thinking at the end of Return of the Jedi, and like you said, how as we know, the First Order came out of the Empire, and we're still waiting for know how Snoke gets involved. But yeah, um, like, did he come out of nowhere and take over? Is this someone that Palpatine was grooming as a possible successor? Uh, you know, is he is he Darth Plagueis? Is he Jar Jar Binks? Is he Mace Windu? I don't know. Like, <laughs> you know, there's all these crazy theories out there, but I'm just like, I, I want to know more. 
and, yeah. and know what's actually going on. Because the other thing that I kind of just thought of, I'm like, well, obviously, sort of in the Sith tradition, Palpatine would, you know, expect Vader to to succeed him. Um, except I can't see Vader ever like ruling as emperor. Like he's the emperor's enforcer. Um, and he obviously is a more well fleshed out and developed character than someone like Darth Maul in episode one, who, you know, was clearly just like, you know, an assassin. And, you know, I don't think Palpatine ever really intended for, um, you know, for Maul to, succeed him as the Sith master and be the one to, you know, take over the galaxy. Um, but I'm like, man, Palpatine's getting old and he probably knew that he couldn't, you know, rule by himself forever. But then of course you get into, you know, him having trained under Darth Plagueis and like, well, did he ever continue that search for immortality? And now I'm like, man, we need like a book about Palpatine and what he was doing as emperor. Like, during you know episode four and five and you know his stuff behind the scenes like have james lucino write that book um you know kind of like a a spiritual successor almost to the darth Plagueis novel and just be about palpatine and what he was up to behind the scenes during the original trilogy and just you know what sort of dark side experiments and meditations and contemplations go on when you're the ruler of the entire galaxy and you know you have vader and all these moths and governors and admirals that can run around and basically run things for you it's like what did palpatine actually do as emperor now i want to know well empire is in gets into that a little bit and it's probably the best part of the book and yeah i really enjoy that aspect of it and there's a part in there too which deals with the dark side and the force and something Palpatine felt where, hmm. you know, again, I don't want to give too much spoilers away, but it makes you think about the grand scheme of things with the first order and something that Palpatine maybe could have foresaw or I don't know. It's, it's really, it's pretty cool. I will say that maybe I don't, I know you haven't read the first two aftermath books, Kyle, maybe you'll, tell you <laughs> yeah you or me i'm like maybe i'll actually pick this one up well i picked up the first one i just never finished it well but. i will say too empire zen is definitely the best out of all three of them i actually enjoyed this one from start to finish i was engaged with it characters still aren't my favorite but how it led to the battle of jakku and how you know the empire actually fell and the stuff that ties into palpatine I, all that stuff was really cool and i loved it to me, it just added more to Palpatine's genius and what he had planned for his empire and for what should happen if it fell. So all that stuff was really cool. And then planting the seeds and giving you little clues about uh, the First Order and possibly Snoke in there. So it, it did a good job of giving you some answers on things, but then, you know, leaving stuff unanswered, but planting the seeds for what maybe could eventually be revealed down the line. So it was really good on that front. I am officially intrigued. Yeah, I say it's worth it for that stuff. It was pretty cool. I might just have to check that out. But then you told me that Han went shopping for Jogan fruit, and I never <laughs> want to touch it now. <laughs> that is also true, but thankfully that was just one chapter. I'm like, they had to go and tie it into like my least favorite episode of Clone Wars. 
I just started chuckling when I read that. I was like, oh, Kyle's going to love this. (laughs) (laughs) Or actually, he might stop right here. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, if you can make it past the Jogan Fruit, you're in for some good stuff. Yeah. I mean, man, just why, though? I mean, I guess, again, it is, I guess, kind of a nice connective tissue. As long as the interesting, as long as the story of Han shopping for Jogan Fruit is more interesting than the time that R2 and C3PO did that. Oh, yeah, because he's buying it for Leia because he thinks she needs to eat that while she's pregnant with Ben. So it's definitely uh... much more better than C3PO and R2 just getting it for a Padme's dinner party <laughs> or whatever <laughs> that was. Oh, yeah, because it was like, oh, Senator What's-His-Face is going to love it on top of the fruitcake. And... That's right. Yeah, it was for a cake. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. For anybody who hasn't seen Clone Wars or doesn't remember the episode we're talking about, that's Evil Plans from Season 3 and is definitely, like, one of my bottom four least favorite episodes of Clone Wars. I know it sucks because Cad Bane's in it. And he's usually in the good I ones. know, right? But it was like it's supposed to be like a prequel to Hostage Crisis, which is yeah. one of I mean, not like one of my top five favorite episodes or anything. But Hostage Crisis is an awesome episode, like definitely in probably like the top half at least of the episodes of the show in terms of quality, which I know is a huge number. But Clone Wars had a huge number of awesome episodes, so. Um, you know, it's like, I don't know if it ranks near the top, but it was definitely good. And obviously it was our first introduction to Cad Bane, who was like such an awesome character. And it's like, but now we need to watch him like abduct C-3PO while he's grocery shopping and find out that that's how he got the plans for the Senate building in the first place that allowed him to go in and infiltrate and, you know, hold all those senators hostage. It's like, no, we didn't need to know that. Yeah, and then R2... Uh, going to a droid spa, getting oh all gosh. nice and shiny. Yeah. C3 feels <laughs> getting captured, and meanwhile, R2 is going through the freaking car wash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, early days of season three. Those were some interesting <sighs> episodes, to put it nicely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it gave us arc troopers and supply lines. Oh, and, yeah, it started off with a bang. You but... know, yeah, yeah. And clone cadets and Hunt for Zero even was, you know, pretty good. Um,. But then, like you said, evil plans, and you got the, uh, the, the poison tea on Mandalore. Oh, yeah, the, oh. corruption and corruption, the academy. Yeah. And, which, yeah, well, to be fair, did kind of pay off later down the line in um, you know, in the Mandalore arc with Maul because you had seen uh, you know, how Mandalore was kind of ripe for a takeover with all the corruption going on and... Uh, you know, Prime Minister Almec, who, you know, is sort of the villain in those episodes and gets arrested, you know, obviously comes back in a pretty significant role in the Maul storyline as well. Um, yeah. So I give them credit for that. But still, it's like you couldn't have come up with like a more interesting way to frame that story than having, you know, Padme and Satine fighting Egyptian smugglers, you know, trying to poison everybody's tea. <laughs> But then the, there's pursuit of peace where like I, I know I just said how the politics stuff in episode one had a good payoffs later on and even in the Clone Wars, but that episode was not one of them. Well, <laughs> that was just Yeah, and here's the thing, and I don't know why we're going off on on a like Clone Wars <laughs> bashing know. rant here. Because I mean obviously if you guys have listened to us before, you know we're huge fans of Clone Wars. 
and love the show to death, and there's so many great episodes, which is why the bad ones stick out like a sore thumb, and I can name you my least favorite episodes of Clone Wars more easily than I can name my favorites, just because there are, are less bad ones to pick from, and I can exactly. immediately jump to it and say, okay, I love this whole show, except for Evil Plans, Pursuit of Peace, uh, Corruption, and A Sunny Day in the Void. See, the only one I'm not agreeing with you on is a sunny day in the void. <laughs> I know, I know you got you love your D squad, um, and that arc in general was not bad. I mean, it gave us Gregor missing in action was an awesome episode, but yeah, just that one where it's like a whole episode of them wandering through the desert and Meeber Gascon like having an existential crisis and being like, "Why am I out here?" <laughs> but it's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, it was just, it was badly timed because it was getting towards like the second half of the season and I'm sitting there going, this is what I'm watching right now when they could be getting to Maul and Death Watch already? Yeah, especially we knew it was coming too. That probably didn't yeah, help where, you exactly. know, when are we going to get to that stuff? Yeah. It was funny too because uh, when I went to the screening of the Savage Press arc where Dave Filoni was there, he was kind of, <laughs> almost kind of had to reassure us like, I know there's been a lot of heavy politic episodes and that's not everyone's favorite but trust me <laughs> like you're all gonna be excited for what's coming on the second half of season three and boy was he right because man yeah. that last half of season three was some of the very best of clone wars yeah definitely i still think that is probably the best like half of a season like the best stretch of episodes like over a whole you know span of time um from you know night sisters all the way through that whole Night Sisters arc, and then the Mortis arc, and then the Citadel arc, um, and then even the season finale I thought was pretty good too, with uh, you know the two-parter with Ahsoka and Chewie and the Trandoshans and everything. Um, but definitely just the the Night Sisters trilogy and the Cid the Mortis trilogy and the Citadel trilogy, like those are all probably like three of maybe my five favorite story arcs or something like that. Yeah. Couldn't agree with you more on that front. But just to let you know that I'm not alone in the sunny day in the void, I did see a tweet from one of my followers and someone I follow on Twitter, Dustin Whalen, who just sent a simple tweet saying, a sunny day in the void is a masterpiece. So there's two of us out there. <laughs> <laughs> Unless he was being sarcastic. I don't think he was. but <laughs> Maybe, because I'm thinking, like, look, if you if you disagree with me and you like the episode, that's fine. We can agree to disagree. But if you think it's a masterpiece... Well, I, I'm definitely going to agree to disagree on that, too, because <laughs> mm, I don't know. Maybe you should revisit it. When was the last time you watched that episode? Was it only Probably it the day it aired. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Try to go back and look at it again. I might. I'm, I'm slowly but surely rewatching all of Clone Wars in chronological order with my fiance right now. So, um, And if anything, it does have that awesome, you know, uh, Meteor, or not meteors, but the ice, uh, astro the ice asteroid feel for like. Oh yeah, the comets and stuff. Cool that yeah, that was kind of the throwback to the original Star Tours. Exactly. Yeah, that visually at least looked really cool. Yeah, that did look pretty cool. Um, but yeah, then those other the evil plans and corruption and uh, oh, pursuit of peace. Oh my gosh, that that one was just painful. Which the thing that sucks about that too is the episode right before that which was heroes on both sides. That yeah. was 
an example. That was a perfect example of a politics episode done really well. Where exactly, yep. that was the first time they introduced Lux Bonteri, and he had an interesting relationship with Ahsoka, and it was you know Ahsoka and Padme going on this mission to you know the planet where the Separatist Senate was, and you know it did a good job of sort of humanizing the Separatists and seeing that not everybody who supports this movement is you know a slimy worm like Newt Gunray, that you know there are actual like legitimate like decent human beings and other alien species who you know just have different points of view and that like not everybody wants to fight a huge war over it but just that um you know they don't all agree with the ideals of a republic and then you also had you know grievous with his like transformer robot droids going to you know infiltrate coruscant and that was kind of cool um so i liked that episode a lot and then following that up with pursuit of peace was just like well, I thought you figured out the politics episode, but you didn't. <laughs> uh, I'm most ashamed to admit this, but that was the only episode of the series where I was rewatching on Blu-ray for the first time. I actually fell asleep while watching it. I was like, you I'm know falling what? asleep during Star Wars. Like, this isn't right, but again, this I, episode. <laughs> I don't blame you at all. <laughs> and, I mean, I'll be honest, I... I don't usually fall asleep watching Star Wars, but occasionally I'll even like doze off watching the movies or something just like if I'm really tired and obviously I've seen the movies a ton of times, but that's always my gauge of like, you know, okay, that's how I know I'm really tired and need to go to bed is if I'm falling asleep on Star Wars. But <laughs> yeah, if I were watching Pursuit of Peace, I'd just be like, mm, nap time. <laughs> well, that's what it was for me when I watched it. <laughs> I just remember this, and I've probably only watched that episode once or maybe twice, but the thing that just sticks out like a sore thumb is I remember there's a scene where, like, Padme and Anaconda Far, who she calls, you know, Uncle Anno, and they go to, like, negotiate with some guy from the banking clan about the the interest rates on a loan so the republic can buy more clone troopers to continue you know keep the war going and you know obviously it's one of those things where it's like okay i can see where there's like an interesting premise there where yes it's like getting into the politics of the war going on and palpatine sort of manipulating things and and keeping his plan going and blah 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 but then it's like they're just debating about like the interest rates for the loans and stuff. And I remember at one point the guy's like, well, you know, since we're with the separatists now and you're with the Republic and uh, you know, we're going to raise the interest rate to 25% and Anaconda's like 25%. That's outrageous. And I just remember like face palming and being like, am I really watching this? Like on a star Wars cartoon right now? Like, <laughs> I mean, I know I'm an older fan who, like, gets this stuff, even though it's boring, but, like, this is on Cartoon Network. Like, eight-year-olds are watching this and just not comprehending any of it. Yeah, see, I don't remember that part, <laughs> but when uh, you were saying it right there, that just reminded me of pretty much what that whole episode was like, <laughs> that whole scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and then, just a like, quick speeder chase with Padme and some mm -hmm. know, Coruscant bugs. Yeah. Anyway, we got way off track. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did. But I guess it was good to get a, get it off our chest. Some, yeah, our sometimes you just got to rant so. about that and let off some steam. It's like, but again, like you said, it's a testament to how great the show is when we can just name off like three or four episodes we didn't really like out of, what, 120, 115, whatever the final count was. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think it was like 121 or something like that. I don't know. Um, yeah. 
not a bad ratio. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, yeah, man, I love me some Clone Wars. I know if, you know, if this just happens to be the first episode that anybody's listened to, they're probably like, oh, these guys hate Clone Wars. We freaking love Clone Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't want to give that impression out there, that's for sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, I like Bombad Jedi, so, you know, <laughs> I love me some Clone Wars. Um, But anyway, so getting back to episode eight and you know we're talking about rumors and stuff and then i don't know we got into talking about aftermath and jogan fruit and that's how we went on the clone wars <laughs> tangent um but now uh so let's talk about this uh footage from the last jedi that was screened recently um now obviously this is not out in public yet so um you know, if you hadn't heard about this already, I can already hear people like typing in on YouTube. But this was like a private screening behind closed doors just for like Disney shareholders and um, maybe like some select few members of the press. Um, because these descriptions come from Daniel Miller, who is a reporter for the Los Angeles Times. So I don't know if he was invited there exclusively or if there were like a few reporters that were invited or if he just happens to also be a Disney shareholder. Um, but they, uh, you know, they, they showed some footage from the movie. Uh, it sounds like just a brief glimpse, um, probably like less than what we're hopefully going to end up seeing at Celebration Orlando. Um, but he sent out a series of tweets describing what he saw in there. Um, so first he says, Star Wars The Last Jedi clip is being screened, but it's a joke, sort of. Uh, we just got a few seconds of Rey, holding, uh, Rey handing Luke a lightsaber. Um, but then his next tweet, he said, we just saw more Star Wars The Last Jedi footage. In it, Luke asks Rey, who are you? And then we see her deftly handle a lightsaber. Also making appearances in The Last Jedi footage, Chewbacca, General Leia Organa, and Finn... Uh, one last thing on the last Jedi footage, we saw all sorts of settings, mountains, oceans, forests, deserts, looking suitable, uh, look suitably epi uh, epic and exotic. Um, and then he says, more on the last Jedi clip since people are asking. General Leia Organa was on screen for just a second in military garb and didn't speak. Uh, speaking of the Last Jedi clip montage, I failed to mention yesterday that Poe Dameron appeared in it briefly. And finally, the Last Jedi footage included a shot of Rey, clearly under duress, surrounded by many small orbs of light that hung in the air. Um, so, you know, sounds like a lot of, uh, you know, just kind of basic teaser trailer kind of stuff that doesn't really give away a lot of the story or what's going on or whatever. Um, I imagine most of our discussion of this is going to focus just on that last tweet, talking about Ray uh, surrounded by many small orbs of light hanging in the air. That sounds a lot like um, Yoda in the Dagobah cave in the, you know, the Yoda arc that finished out the Clone Wars series as he's talking to Qui-Gon and, you know, sort of following the balls of light that are floating through the air. And um, that just gets me excited thinking about the possibilities of, you know, some of like the mystical force aspects that we could get into seeing more in this movie, which, you know, we've talked a lot about before, but, um, you know, if this is actually what we're going to see in there, this just seems to sort of confirm that um, we are going to delve into some, well, new areas of the force in terms of things we haven't seen in the movies before. Obviously, we have seen things like this in Clone Wars and Rebels and stuff like that, but to see like Luke and Rey going through this, that's going to be pretty darn cool. Boy, man, I 
couldn't tell you how excited that description <laughs> got me when I read that word. So, so, Ray surrounded by many small orbs of light. And yeah, like you immediately thought of that uh, Yoda episode on Dagobah from the Clone Wars. Because like that can't be a coincidence. I mean, why would they do that? That would be something else to me. You know, they're in sync with the story group about all this stuff. So it just makes perfect sense. And I just love it where, you know, we speculated about this with episode eight and it being more about, you know, learning more stuff about the force and Luke training Ray and showing her things with the force. And when we hear about it actually being shown and that it's going to actually be in the movie, it just gets you pumped up for it. That, yeah, all the stuff we're speculating on looks like we are going to see it in this film. And again, even just to be excited for potentially showing up in the first teaser trailer, which hopefully we'll get at Celebration Anaheim. Man, if we see that shot, it might be my favorite shot of the trailer <laughs> because <laughs> just that connective tissue that could be there and harking back to that Clone Wars episode would just be so cool. And again, the possibility of leading to more cool stuff with the, hopefully the forest spirits between with Obi-Wan, Yoda, and hopefully Anakin. That's my big hope for episode eight. All three of them have a presence in this movie some way as forest spirits. And that's how it was with Qui-Gon. And maybe that's just the start of what she's going to see as far as them being four spirits. So yeah, hearing that that was shown in that small teaser gets me hopeful that we'll see it in the trailer, but then on a bigger scale of what's in store for us in the movie just from that. So yeah, that got me really excited. But before that, the other uh, tweet that got my attention was where he was talking about the landscapes and mountains, oceans, forests, mm-hmm. and deserts. Um, the one where he says that there's deserts. Why does everyone want to go back to Jakku? <laughs> Exactly. I mean, from all the reports and rumor stuff that I've seen and read, I haven't seen mentioned that they're going back to Jakku or any desert landscapes. So maybe I missed it, but that took me by surprise where maybe we are going to go to ja- back to Jakku or maybe there will be a, for a flashback sequence telling, you know, Ray's uh, history and about her parents and why they left her there. Or it could just be a totally different planet <laughs> that's, a, that's a desert landscape. But <laughs> like, I don't desert. know, Tatooine? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> but you know, but this made me think uh, if they're going to do deserts again, yeah, has to, I would think it would be Jakku, but whether it's them going back there or just in a flashback sequence that uh, kind of got me intrigued a bit too. And then also the one I think that got everybody on Twitter <laughs> talking was uh, regarding to the dialogue Luke had where it's being described as he asked Ray, who are you? And that got a lot of discussions going on because, you know, regarding everyone's theories about who Ray is. I mean, you know, we're in the camp where we're hoping that she's going to be a Skywalker in some way. And if Luke is asking that of her, does that really mean he doesn't know who she is and he realizes that or never had a daughter or whatnot. But I kind of took a different approach to that where, you know, cause we don't know the context of this. We don't know if it's actually, you know, the first thing he says to her while she's giving him his lifesaver back it could be at a totally different part of the movie where part of her test and training, he just asks a simple question. Maybe she's having some doubts and things aren't going right. He just simply asks, who are you? And we know, even though it wasn't in the movie, he's not the first one to ask that because in the trailers, Miles Kanata asked the same thing, even though it was cut from the final film. So mm-hmm. maybe it's just kind of a question people <laughs> continue to ask Ray because maybe she's just so unsure of herself at well, that point. So. You know, what was interesting. As soon as I saw this, I thought, oh, well, that's probably why they cut Maz's line from The Force Awakens because, you know, um, 
I'm pretty sure like Ryan Johnson was already writing the script for episode eight, like while they were in production on the force awakens and he was, you know, on set and talking to JJ Abrams and kind of collaborating mm -hmm. on, you know, where they were going to take the future, um, of these stories. And so, um, and I don't know, maybe that version wasn't in the first draft or something, or maybe, you know, they, they shot a scene of Maz saying that and just use it in the trailer or something like that. But, um, I, as soon as I saw that tweet, I was like, oh, well, that explains that they probably cut that out because they knew that Luke was going to say it in episode eight and thought it would be more impactful if it was like just his line. Um, yeah, if Ray replies, I'm no one, then yeah, I think we definitely <laughs> know that was the case. She yeah. said that exact same response. Well, I don't think it's going to be like the exact same exchange, and I would expect her to probably have a different response, but um, I don't know. I just think having him you know, ask that question is going to be cool. But I also, I could totally picture that being the first thing he says to her, even if they are related, like, I mean, we don't know sort of the, the approach he's taking with it, you know, how, how he asks it exactly, or like what his face looks like as he's saying it. But, you know, it, I could definitely see it being one of those things where like asking a question that he kind of already knows the answer to. Yeah, exactly. Because um, if she is his daughter, he obviously hasn't seen her in years. So, you know, like, I mean, if you if you had a an eight year old daughter that you hadn't seen since she was a kid, and then suddenly, like, you know, this adult woman comes up to you who kind of looks like your daughter, but you're not sure. You're not just gonna like run up to her and give her a hug. You're gonna be like, uh, "Are are you who I think you are?" Um. So. Yeah, I don't know. And it could be, I mean, maybe Luke is just testing her to see how she answers. Maybe it's just a way to break the silence. Um, <laughs> but either way, I mean, I, I could totally picture that being the first thing he says to her. But I, if it is, I'm sure he already has some indication. Um, you know, it, it's not like he's asking because he has no idea and he needs new information. Um, even if she's not his daughter, like, I think it's kind of similar to like when Han asks Ray, you know, you got a name and she says Ray and he, you know, you can kind of tell his expression changes like, oh, that means something to him. Um, I think it would kind of be the same thing here where it's like, you know, regardless of whether there's a, a blood relation between Luke and Ray or not, like he is aware of you know something about this girl and and you know at least kind of has an idea of who she is and why she's important but he kind of wants to make sure or wants to see if wants to see if she knows mm -hmm. yeah that's kind of how i'm taking it too where and another thing that everyone was bringing up on twitter too where the screenplay for the force awakens how it ended where i would describe luke's reaction when he saw ray um i don't remember word for word what it said but I'm going to paraphrase where it kind of hinted at or in the description, it says Luke like looks at her, but he, he doesn't say anything. He doesn't need to say anything. He knows why she's here and who she is to that effect. I know it's not exactly word for word what it said, but it implied that he already knew why she, why she is there and who she was already. So, yeah. And I agree with you or it could be something where like it's either he's testing her to what she actually thinks, you know, of herself to be, or, you know, it could be, just you know like you said where he hasn't seen her in so long and he just maybe just 
blurts it out where it's like this is his first reaction where like he knows it's her but just to make sure he's asking her just kind of get that confirmation even though he could probably know it was in the force but there's tons of different ways where it can go and I've seen some reactions on Twitter saying, oh, this confirms she's not a Skywalker. Luke would know it already. And blah, blah, blah. That like, confirms uh. nothing. <laughs> exactly. Like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> First of all, we don't know the context of it. We don't know when he's going to say it, how he says it. So, yeah, of course, us as Star Wars fans, we li- one little line of dialogue. We're analyzing and speculating all this stuff into it. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. again, we just got to wait and see. But, again, I don't think it changes one way or another as far as who Ray actually is and who her parents are, whether it's Luke or not. Yeah. Come talk to me again after we've seen the trailer. And if all this footage that's being described is actually in the first trailer that we get at celebration, then, you know, once we've seen Luke and heard him say that for ourselves, you know, then we can discuss it and speculate. But when it's, you know, just somebody tweeting, saying that he said that, and, you know, we haven't actually seen the footage or heard the, the dialogue is like that really isn't much to go on yep but it was still cool to read about <laughs> oh yeah definitely no i i mean yeah i love reading descriptions and stuff and uh you know just sort of trying to visualize this but as far as you know taking one line of dialogue uh you know just written down on paper you know three words in a question and and trying to extrapolate you know all that stuff from it i'm like eh, let's just wait and see because there are any number of ways that could go mm-hmm. and i hope all the stuff that was shown to those shareholders does make it up in the trailer because it does sound cool and it's kind of hard not to imagine that you know they're editing a trailer together to get it ready for celebration it might be done already so that's either they took snippets from that teaser that they have ready to go and they put a shorter one together for the shareholders or you know, they're still getting it ready, and this is some of the stuff they already had done that they know they wanted to be in it, and they decided to give the shareholders a little sneak peek of it, too. So mm-hmm. I, if I were to guess, I think we're probably going to see most of the stuff, if not all of it, in the actual teaser trailer. Uh, but again, it'll probably be a lot more, which is going to be awesome. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. Um, we'll see how much it actually ends up being, because, I mean, when you think about it, well, I don't know, because, like, the... The trailer that we got at Celebration last year, or not last year, but Celebration Anaheim, um, which was the second trailer that we got for The Force Awakens after that little teaser that, you know, came out on Black Friday, it was like, it still wasn't that much footage, but it was like, you know, we went crazy for the stuff that we did get. Um, You know, in retrospect, you go back and look at it again and it's like you still can't really like tell much about you know what the movie's about or anything um so that is still kind of like a a teaser but if we get like that maybe that same length of trailer from celebration this year like i will be more than happy oh totally me too i think could go one of two ways be exactly like the celebration anaheim one or like the first rogue one teaser which was a bit longer definitely had more dialogue in it than the celebration anaheim force awakens teaser so i think it's going to be like one of those but either one's going to be great (laughs) and i'm sure we won't be complaining about that i'm just hoping that we get more than we did from that first force awakens teaser but i'm sure we will because you know rather than being over a year away the movie's going to be like seven or eight months away at that point exactly yeah so yeah definitely you know cool stuff to get excited about there um, and yeah, like I said, just can't wait until we get to, uh, 
um, actually see this footage for ourselves instead of just reading about it. Um, but anyway, so yeah, that's the, uh, the episode eight rumor stuff. Um, and, you know, hopefully we'll get more of this, uh, you know, to speculate about and stuff as we, uh, you know, move towards celebration and things in the next coming weeks here. Um, but in the meantime, we also got an official announcement of Force Friday 2, as they're calling it. Um, you know, obviously the official big product launch for the Episode 8 stuff. Um, this is happening on September 1st of this year, and we obviously didn't get looks at, you know, any new products or anything like that, but they did release an image of um, just sort of the template of what the product packaging is going to look like, uh, featuring an image of the three main characters, Ray and Finn and Poe, um, in, well, newish outfits. Uh, <laughs> obviously, the most notable change is you got Ray in the center holding the lightsaber and her hair is down, so she's got a different hairstyle. And it's hard to tell if she's wearing the exact same costume she was wearing at the end of The Force Awakens or if it's something a little different. Um, it doesn't look exactly the same to me because it looks like it might have a hood, just the way yeah. that the the fabric kind of, you know, falls around her, her neck and stuff. But um, definitely a similar looking outfit from what we can tell. I mean, this fish image is basically just like shoulders up. Um but it looks like Ray is wearing some kind of like sleeveless like Jedi robe or tunic or something. Um, Poe still has, you know, just an X-Wing helmet and the resistance leather jacket. And then Finn has um, also that same jacket. But now he's just got sort of like a white or cream colored uh, shirt on underneath it instead of like his black stormtrooper, you know, onesie or whatever they wear under their armor that he was wearing for the whole uh, Force Awakens. So, um yeah, just a brief glimpse from that. Again, not a whole lot to go on, but it was still definitely cool to uh, just randomly get this pop up and uh, you know get sort of a tease of what we can expect the new character, the main characters to look like in the new movie. So that yeah, was pretty exciting. Definitely cool to get this, and I just love how Ray looks in this picture and probably throughout Episode Eight. I mean, I just get an Anakin vibe when I see this image is part of it is because, you know, her hair being down looking longer like Anakin was when we went from episode two to three, the way she's holding the lightsaber. And then I didn't notice this when I first saw the picture, but on Twitter, uh, Andrew Lupe, I got to give him a shout out for letting me know where it looks like she has uh, some like marking on over her uh, right eyebrow uh, where it's not quite the Anakin scar, but it looks like there's some, she suffered some damage there or left a scar or a mark or whatnot. But again, huh. it plays more into that Anakin vibe I got when I first saw it. And when I uh, was alerted about that, I was like, oh man, that plays even more to that Anakin uh, feeling I'm getting when I see her in this image. So yeah, I think she looks cool. And then yeah, Poe looks like Poe from The Force Awakens for the most part in his excellent suit. And for Finn, yeah, th when I saw it, I first thought, oh, he's still in like his medical uh, garb where they left it, but he just has uh, his jacket over it. But uh, I doubt he's going to be wearing that for most of the movie. He, so I don't know if it's just for one sequence where, you know, he's still uh, in the medical bay and he has to put his jacket on for something. Or maybe it's just, you know, a outfit that's kind of similar to Luke's in A New Hope and he's just wearing his jacket over it. So mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the impression I got from Finn's outfit. But Ray was the main one here. I just loved how her progression... Like, I think it shows... 
you know, just her progression in the force to what's like Anakin's was when he changed from episode two to three, because he wasn't an apprentice anymore. And while she'll still be in training with Luke in episode eight, I think we're obviously going to see a significant improvement in her force abilities with her training. And I think that look reflects that. And I just love how it just reminds me of Anakin so much. And again, playing into my hopes and theories that she is somehow a Skywalker or Skywalker related. So mm. that's what I took away from this image that moment is, is this how Ray looks and front and center there. Yeah, man. I mean, just look at like the look on her face as she's holding that lightsaber and compare that to, the look on her face at the end of the force awakens when she ignites the lightsaber for the first time to fight Kylo Ren. Yeah. It's, you know, she goes from, Oh crap, this is actually happening to, Oh yeah, you better believe this is happening. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. They, I mean, I'm assuming they're going to have a rematch. We know we're going to get one, whether it's an eight or nine, but that's, can't wait to see that just for the reasons you're saying there how she's going to be more than ready to take on kylo ren again oh yeah definitely so yeah definitely cool to get this reveal i mean yeah it's cool that we got fourth friday to announce we knew that was coming but getting our first look at the three main characters especially ray and on the packaging was the best part of the story Mm -hmm. yeah for sure i mean there's you know not really a whole lot to get excited about yet for Force Friday. I mean, aside from the fact that there's going to be a lot of cool new Star Wars stuff to get, but right now we don't know what any of that is. Um, except, you know, we can assume all the basics that, you know, we're going to get three and three quarter inch figures and black series figures of, you know, Ray and Poe and Finn and, you know, all the main characters and their new outfits. Yeah. I hopefully, I hope this Force Friday we get a six inch black series Luke. Like, yeah like Jedi Luke from, you know, the end some of... type of figure, regardless if it's a black series, it's some type of Luke acted figure to get. Yeah. Like, cause it's been long enough now. I figured they would have had a, a black series figure of the force awakens Luke out by now. But at this point it's like, Oh, well, they're probably just going to tie that into episode eight. Um, except, you know, from all the, the various rumors and stuff, it sounds like he's going to have a different costume for most of the movie, but I still just want that Jedi robe with the long hair and the beard and all that stuff. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to get one eventually. I mean, they can't resist not making <laughs> a Luke toy like that from The Force Awakens. Yeah. I mean, you would think. Well, one can only hope. <laughs> um, but... Uh, yeah, so obviously that'll be exciting. You know, I'm sure we'll find out more in the coming months, um, about what actually is going to be available then. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's September 1st. Um, and, you know, I'm sure there'll be all the same hype and everything around it as there was for, you know, the first Force Friday with midnight launches at Toys R Us and all that good stuff. So collectors be ready for that. Um, All right, and then uh, we'll move on and talk a bit about Star Wars Rebels here, which just recently was officially renewed for a fourth season, Um, which I think we might have talked about this on our last episode, too, or maybe the one before that, that it was weird that it hadn't been, uh, that there hadn't been an announcement about a renewal yet, and we were wondering, like, oh, well, is it going to end? Is it going to keep going? You know, what's what's going on with that? Um, But now we know that it will be back for at least one more season, which is great because I think at the time we hadn't seen the, like the Mandalore episodes yet for this season, or we might've seen, um, trials of the dark saber, but I think, you know, it might've been in that break in between that and, uh, and coming back. 
Um, and so now I'm like, well, if nothing else, we know there's at least one storyline from this season that's most likely going to have to continue into next season with, um, you know, Sabine and her whole journey um, with her family and, you know, doing their thing on Mandalore. So, uh, yeah, like when I was after watching that second episode, I was like, well, they can't end the season now or end the show now with this season because we got to find out more about this and there's not going to be room to have a whole Mandalore storyline for the rest of this season when there's only a few episodes left and we've got, you know, Thrawn and Maul to deal with. So, um, definitely excited to see where they go for next year, but also really excited to see what happens in the last four episodes of this season as we, uh, head towards what is sure to be another epic season finale. So, um, yeah, definitely excited for that too. I don't know, Tim. I don't know what you think, but I would say this has probably been the best season of Rebels overall for me so far. I will say it's definitely better than season two, and I really like season two. I think more than most did, but I don't know if I could say it's better than season one just yet, just because season one was just—it was only thirteen episodes. It really focused on the main uh, plot of what it, the thread of the story that they were planning for that one season and stuck to it really good for the most part. But for this one, that's with 22 episodes for the season. I think the majority of them have been really good. So I'm with you there, but season two had some really good episodes too, but I just think as a whole season three has been better. So I have to, once I rewatch it, probably all back to back or whatever amount the series ends up going, I'm sure I'll rewatch them all once it's done to kind of get a firm grasp of what my favorite season is. But I think season three is definitely going to be up there as one of the best because it's right there uh, for now anyway. But definitely glad it got renewed for a fourth season. Like like we said, it was kind of strange. We, it took them this long to announce it, which made some people think, myself included, you know, maybe something's going on with it. It's not, you know, a, a done deal where it's coming back yet. Is this the third season going to be it for the show or we're going to have another Clone Wars situation on our hands. But thankfully that's not the case. We at least get one more. And I just hope that if this is the last, it's something, even if this isn't the last week it goes on for another season or two, I just hope they let us know before the show actually ends that, you know, this is the last season. Cause mm-hmm. it would be nice to kind of know that going in for it and know what to expect and that this is going to be it. And even from the creative side, I'm sure they're going to want to end things the way they want to and not be cut short like the Clone Wars. So um, if they can't plan ahead like that, you know, where they don't know if they're going up beyond season four, hopefully they're kind of preparing what they need to do in order for season four not to have such an abrupt ending where things are left unanswered. So and if that's the case, again, I just hope they let us know uh, in advance. So we're not, you know, the rug's not pulled <laughs> from under our feet and once we get a season finale, like, oh, that's actually the series finale. <laughs> and you just saw your last episode of Rebels. Cause would hate for that to happen again. Yeah. So definitely glad it's coming back. And I, like I said, we'll find out hopefully at Celebration where if this is going to be it, they'll let us know there. But knowing Dave Filoni, he's just going to be as coy as always and <laughs> probably not even going to say, uh, this is season four or not. He's probably going to hint that it's still not a done deal, even though it is, because we were talking before, Ed, where uh, he's still not talking about Obi-Wan actually being in this season's, <laughs> and next week's episode, actually, uh, Twin Sons, when it airs uh, next Saturday. But in a recent interview, even though we got the trailer like a few weeks out, he still wouldn't confirm that that was Obi-Wan <laughs> that we're seeing in the trailer. So yeah. we know how coy Dave Filoni could be, so we probably won't get 
that much more info on the status beyond season four or if it is it but you just got to get a cute five-year-old to ask him because that's his weakness when it comes to I like think... audience q a and and him giving away stuff although maybe that was mortar in clone wars he might have become more of a steel trap for uh rebels but i was gonna say i think he's gotten better at that where he's not caving into the young kids who <laughs> <laughs> ask him those questions anymore he's becoming more firm more yeah. thick-skinned <laughs> more sith-like i guess <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, I mean, it would be nice if they let us know ahead of time um, that it was going to be, you know, the final season. And I think that would be a good, I think this would be a good timing to sort of let it go. Um, I mean, there's obviously enough continuing storylines still going with Rebels that, you know, they, they've got enough that they can work with for a fourth season. But at the same time, it's like, okay, we're already getting pretty close to Rogue One. Um, we're seeing the formation of the Rebel Alliance. Um, and, you know, I, I think they're getting close to, you know, accomplishing everything that they wanted to accomplish with this show. And I just, I don't know, at this point, I can't really see it going beyond maybe another one season. Um, two at the most. But then again, you know, with all the, the rumors that we're hearing about other animated series and stuff and like what else they might be working on for the future, it's like... Um, you know, not that you can't have multiple Star Wars shows going at once, but I think people are kind of ready to move on to something new. Not that we're getting tired of Rebels or anything like that. Um, but just, yeah, I don't know. I, I think one more season would be, would be a good way to wrap it up. I guess it depends too on how season three ends off where the state of the Rebels are in the bigger rebel alliance that's just starting to come together as we saw in the last episode of secret cargo so yeah my thinking is that it's all going to lead up to the battle of scarif that's going to be the last episode and it's just a matter of knowing how much takes place before that and we kind of got a pretty big uh, i want to say a reveal but you know just a nice bit of information in the last episode where the main rebel leaders are meeting up on dantooine and it looks like that's going to be a central location for the rebels which we heard on in a new hope where they said it was abandoned but mm -hmm. my thinking is that Thrawn is going to find out where chopper base is he's going to attack it he's going to drive them out of there they're going to have to relocate they're going to go to dantooine probably for most of season four that's going to be their base and then eventually they'll have to leave that too and they'll make their way to yavin four and it will lead nicely into the battle of scarif and what we saw in rogue one so I think that's how it's going to play out. It's just a matter if it's going to be through season four or season four and five. So we'll have to wait and see. Mm -hmm. Of course, they could have, you know, bases on Yavin 4 and Dantooine. Um, just because, I mean, by the time of Rogue One, it seems like they've been established on Yavin 4 for a while. Yeah. Um, well, we know Dantooine gets abandoned because they say oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying that, like, yeah, no, they they definitely will be on Dantooine at some point and then leave that base. But I'm just saying, like, the entire Rebel Alliance doesn't have to be headquartered there necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, That's true. Because also, you know, in A New Hope, like, you know, we know General Dodonna is in charge of, you know, the X-Wing squadrons and stuff on Yavin 4. But, you know, where is Mon Mothma and, you know, everybody else and the whole rest of the Rebel fleet and their forces and everything? They're obviously, like, off somewhere else so um yeah they're probably like always on the move trying to you know keep separated and and 
you know, not letting the Empire find them all together in one spot. So, um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, though. Um, and, I mean, obviously, if the show does keep going, if it goes for five or six seasons or something, like, I'd be fine with that. But I also am, you know, not necessarily going to be sad to see it go, like, if they end it next season, just as long as they get to end it on, you know, sort of good terms. Like, if they, uh, you know, they get to end it the way that they want to and have it um, have, like, a definitive sort of satisfying conclusion yeah better for a series to end you know with you know not very many seasons but it ends the way they intended to than to have it drag on a little bit and just have it be cut off where there's no resolution it just abruptly ends i'll take the shorter series and have it end properly any day of the week than have more episodes and not end properly yeah definitely except i would still take clone wars over a lot of things but Oh, um, yeah, me too. <laughs> Especially the Siege of Mandalore. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, but I'm saying, like, I'll take the Clone Wars the way we got it over, you know, a show like Rebels getting to end on its own terms, even though Clone Wars didn't, just because Clone Wars was amazing. But, oh, man, what I wouldn't give to be able to see the Siege of Mandalore and all that other stuff. Hopefully in time. <laughs> and those episodes with like Yoda and the Bad Batch on Kashyyyk with the Wookiees and stuff. Uh, careful, we might go into a whole nother Clone Wars tangent again in one episode. I know, right? <laughs> <sighs> Hopefully, you know what? I wonder if we'll get to see any more of that stuff from uh, Celebration Orlando. Because it seems like ever since the Clone Wars ended, like every year Dave Filoni does, you know, like a Clone Wars retrospective panel at you know, every celebration and every year reveals something new that we didn't know before was going to be in that show and just like gets us excited, but at the same time breaks our hearts that we're not actually going to get to see that now. I know part of me thinks, you know, there's can't be that much left, but he's surprised us before now when the series has been off for a couple of years. So who knows what he has left <laughs> of untold stories. But I think if they're already talking a lot about the Siege of Mandalore and how it was intended to be, you know, the final arc of the series. There's probably not very much else that they haven't let us know about of what they had planned. Have we speculated on the possibility that maybe that's what he's working on? I'm sure I had to bring it up because I talk about that so much (laughs) where, you know, if they do an animated movie somehow or it's a lead into some type of other story or there's new series that they're having but just that the fact that that story will be told somehow some way in animation because i think if they were going to do it in a novel or comic they would have done it by now why would they wait so long when they're hinting about it in different episodes of rebels even so i think i just have a feeling they have something big planned for it yeah i mean we've talked about that separately as just like man how we hope we get to see that one day and you know could they do it as like a direct-to-dvd movie or uh you know an animated tv special or even a theatrical release or something like that or you know a novel or a comic or whatever but i just don't know that i've thought about it in that context of like you know this season on rebels when dave filoni got promoted to you know he's sort of like overseeing all of the animation stuff at Lucasfilm now and he's not just the supervising director on Rebels anymore and you know we speculated about what else he could be working on I don't know that it ever crossed my mind that maybe he's going back to finish Clone Wars 
You see, like, I didn't think Clone Wars, but the first thing I thought it was Siege of Mandalore, just that, because it's so vital to so many characters in the saga. So that's yeah. actually the first thing I thought of. Oh, maybe he's working on that. I mean, I would love that. And on the like, part of me feels like it. it's just wishful thinking, but I don't know, because, I mean, you know, we've talked about the possibility of doing a series in between six and seven or, you know, whatever else. But man, like. I would absolutely love to see them do that. Yeah, and from the stuff they shared and the little snippets we've gotten in the Ahsoka novel and the panel last year at Celebration London, man, it would be so, so good. <laughs> like, I just got goosebumps hearing them talk about it. Imagine seeing it in action and take it to a whole nother level. Yeah. Oh, please let this happen. Yes. <laughs> Don't let our wishful thinking be in vain. <laughs> yeah, don't let our wishful thinking be just wishful thinking. Let it be a correct prediction. I know, for once, <laughs> if we can get one prediction right, let it be that one. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, well, yeah, man, I, I really hope this happens now. Um, and I hope we get it announced at Celebration Orlando, because that would make it just about the most amazing convention that I'm not going to ever. Um, I will say, if we get that announcement, it won't quite top an Episode 8 trailer, but it'd be right underneath it as far as what <laughs> the best thing to come out of Celebration Orlando. Oh, it yeah. No, I'm just talking about, like, all the awesome stuff piling up. Um, in fact, and, you know, we were saving that for last anyway, so let's just jump into that and we'll talk about some of the stuff that's been announced for Celebration Orlando. Um, and I think, you know, we had talked about before how obviously they've announced an Episode 8 panel, but it's on Friday and not Thursday. And we were like, well, what are they going to kick it off with then? Well, they're kicking it off with a tribute to the 40th anniversary of Star Wars, which is this year in May. Um, and I think that's a perfect way to do it which i don't think yeah. we even considered the last time we talked about it but it's like oh nope. duh like yeah of course that's how they would start it yeah it's, it's perfect i mean no matter how you slice it celebrating the 40th anniversary of the movie that started everything <laughs> that uh, we're getting so much of now we're talking about rebels clone wars episode eight Han solo movie it's all started with a new hope and course back in 77 to star wars so it's fitting that for its 40th anniversary and for the next celebration they're gonna kick it off with a special tribute it's gonna be with uh, kathleen kennedy it's gonna be hosted by warwick davis and it says it's gonna be discussions with some of the actors from the saga as well as some surprises and when i saw that word surprises i just really hope it means george lucas because we'd always been kind of distant from Everything since the sale of Lucasfilm to Disney, I think this would be a perfect opportunity to have him come back and just celebrate the awesome story that he gave to all of us at this big event with Kathleen Kennedy and all the fans there. And I'm sure, you know, Mark Hamill would be cool if Harrison Ford's there. I'm sure it's going to be a little sad, too, knowing that Carrie Fisher can't be there as we're celebrating the movie with, uh, like I said, if Mark Hamill's going to be there and if Harrison Ford's there... It, it's going to feel, you know, sad and strange not having her there be a part of it. But mm -hmm. again, it's the perfect way to kick off celebration when it's not starting with uh, an episode eight panel like Celebration Anaheim did. But this is probably more appropriate. Just like I said before, the movie that started it all, it just seems right that it's the first thing to celebrate at Celebration. Yeah, definitely. And this poster they've got with it, too, just looks awesome. Yeah. Where it's, um, you know, it's kind of a. Uh a mashup of all the characters from 
uh, you know, the prequels, the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy um, all together with, you know, the Star Wars Celebration logo. Um, it's got Captain Phasma on there. And the only thing that could have made it better if there was Death Troopers. <laughs> I mean, that's the yeah. only thing missing, really. Well, actually, yeah, that's true. It doesn't have anybody from Rogue One, but, um, you know, it's got, yeah, Han, Luke, and Leia, and Chewie, and Yoda, and Anakin, and Obi-Wan, and Padme, and Vader, and uh, Finn, and Rey, and Poe, and Kylo Ren, and Hux, and Phasma, and then R2, and 3PO, and BB-8, um, right there in the middle, so. I guess the one big omission would be Palpatine, the big bad guy, <laughs> from yeah. the first two sagas, anyway, but I'm sure his presence will be felt in this trilogy, too, but it's kind of strange he wasn't included in this. Yeah, that's true. But, well, I was going to say it focuses more on the heroes, except for, you know, and obviously you've got the big shadow of Vader in the background, but then, you know, you do have um, Kylo Ren and Phasma and Hux pretty prominent yeah. in the foreground there. But, um, I don't know. Obviously, there are dozens more characters from across the saga they could have included in here, but I think they got pretty much all the main ones. Definitely, yeah. Again, um, glad it's everything. They they just didn't focus on the original trilogy and the new movies. They got the prequels in there too. Because yeah, it is all part of Star Wars, and that's what makes it so grand and special. When you think of everything that took place in the course of the story that we've been told so far. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, those characters are still iconic too. Like, you know, especially. I mean, you know, you, you say what you want about like the flaws in the prequels and stuff, but like, Ewan McGregor is Obi Wan Kenobi. Yep. He deserves his place on there. And, you know, Anakin and Padme and, you know, Yoda and everything like, yeah, just it's it's all Star Wars. So really cool to see that. And I'm sure that tribute is going to be, you know, just something really cool to uh, be a part of. Man, the more I talk about this, the more I'm like, man, am I sure I can't make it to Celebration this year? <laughs> I know, right? Um. Especially because also uh, EA officially announced that they're going to have a big panel at, at uh, Celebration as well. Which, of course, is no big surprise because they did, I think, at both of the previous ones. I mean, definitely at the one in Anaheim that we were at. But um, anyway, in their announcement for this, it says EA creators of Star Wars Battlefront, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, and Star Wars The Old Republic will be in attendance to showcase the latest on their Star Wars projects. Play the latest Star Wars mobile games, including Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, Star Wars Pinball, and Star Wars Force Collection right on the show floor. Experience a special Star Wars The Old Republic uh, Cantina community event off-site featuring a talk with the developers and opportunity to meet the game's designers. Um, and I went to that at the last celebration. That was a lot of fun for people who are uh, into The Force Awakens, or Force Awakens, The Old Republic. Um <laughs> And they actually didn't uh, release any information specifically about panels yet, but, like, you know that's going to happen. Especially oh, yeah. with the fact that, um, you know, it's pretty much been unofficially announced that Battlefront 2 is coming out this year, so. I know, I even tweeted out uh, once EA made this announcement, like, can you say Battlefront 2 trailer <laughs> as far as what yeah. we're going to get here? <laughs> oh, hope... man. See, I know it's going to be something that's, probably not going to show gameplay it just might be another you know cinematic trailer that we're going to it's going to be to pump us up but i just have a feeling you know it's going to show something from episode seven where it's, whether it's star killer base and or 
Taco Donna as far as you know showcasing the new era of Star Wars. Uh, but part of me hope it's more than that. You know, it encompasses everything where they show a new planet that we haven't seen before, including the stuff from The Force Awakens, or even Episode Eight. And you know, my biggest wish list: some prequel planets. But so I just hope it's just a little more than oh, here's one new planet area that's coming to Battlefront too. So we'll see. I'm sure, whatever it is, is going to get us hyped up for it, <laughs> no matter what. And I, I just think it's going to be that cinematic trailer. And while we're going to hope to maybe see some of the single player campaign that we know we're going to get, mm. I think they're going to save that type of stuff for E3. And this is, you know, kind of be the official announcement of the game and just get us, or they'll give us one cinematic trailer to get us all hyped up for it. But the actual gameplay stuff and the technicalities of it will probably come at E3, or at least most of it. I'm sure we'll get some of it, like we did at Celebration Anaheim for the first one. But yeah. I think the majority of what we're going to get for Battlefront 2 is just, you know, that initial announcement for the game. Yeah, probably. Um, but remember, like, at the last one... Um... So I went to that thing where it was like, you know, you had to wait in line for like an hour and they had like a, a closed booth where you could get your first look at actual gameplay footage. But even at the panel, I mean, the footage that they showed, it wasn't really a cinematic trailer, um, but it wasn't like actual gameplay footage. But it was, you know, when they say like captured in engine or whatever, um, and it was just mostly showing off like the Battle of Endor. But then I think there was like a little trailer compilation at the end of that, like showing off some of the other planets um, and the the starfighter, you know, dog fights and stuff, but it was, you know, just real brief, like shots of stuff. Um, so I'd imagine this, it'll probably be something similar here. Um, where, I mean, you know, if we get like a little demo or something, it'll probably focus on one location, but I think we'll get at least glimpses of some of the other stuff that we'll be able to do in the game. Um, if we do get like a full fledged, like story cinematic trailer, I think that will obviously have to do with the single player campaign um, and letting us know like what the story of that is going to revolve around. So I think that would be awesome as well. Yeah, and, I mean, maybe, got that. that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, maybe that is the approach they'll take to it. Maybe it'll just be like a cinematic trailer for the, the story of the campaign, um, which, again, is not like top of my wish list for this game, because I just want more planets and more eras and weapons and vehicles and troopers and stuff that we can, you know, just jump in online and keep having more awesome, you know, huge multiplayer battles like we've been doing with the original one. But obviously if they, I mean, we know it's going to have a single player campaign, but you know, we don't know what the extent of that is going to be. If you know how, how big and sort of epic in scope the story is going to be and all that, like if it actually ends up being a really awesome and compelling uh, first person or a single player story you know who am i to complain about that like that'll be awesome to see too and if they you know make a, a really awesome cinematic trailer that gets us all hyped up for that like i would have no problem with that either yeah no i'm really hoping that's the way they go where they still kind of have that approach of you know just having to be a cinematic trailer but having to focus on the single player will set it apart from you know just being a standard battlefront trailer that's showing just the same thing that we got in the previous game but they show the single player which is going to be the big new addition i think that'll get a lot of people excited because i'm definitely looking forward to the campaign uh, it didn't kill the first one for me but i did felt it was missing and the fact that we're going to get on this one has me super excited and if it's anything close to how cool uh, the one in battlefront 2 was man <laughs> i would part of me just thinks they could just recreate that one and 
a this current gen graphics and I'll be happy because I <laughs> love that single player where you're following in the footsteps of a clone trooper who moves to the ranks of the stormtrooper once the empire comes and just playing through all those uh, different battles. It was really cool. So if it's something like that, I'd be ecstatic. Yeah, I mean, some of the the concepts for the story missions were a little. I don't know if I'd say corny, but like, you know, when it's like, oh, there's this Geonosian guy who went to Mustafar and started up an old droid factory. It's like, well, that was obviously just an excuse for them to have a mission where you could be stormtroopers and fight against battle droids. Or, you know, oh, the cloners on Kamino are turning against us and trying to, you know, use the old Django Fett clone template to make an army of clones to overthrow the Empire. And it's like, well, yeah, that's just an excuse to play stormtroopers against clone troopers, which is cool <laughs> from a gameplay perspective. But story-wise, it's like, yeah, this isn't canon, is it? Yeah. Well, I, nothing in the game's canon, to me, obviously, <laughs> when you look at all the crazy battles you can have. But well, yeah. I, I don't put... I don't really care too much about that stuff unless they specifically make a point to say, yeah, the single player story is a canon story. Then, yeah, you'd have to be careful for what you do. But if not, then just go crazy and <laughs> let the player have fun at these different crazy scenarios that uh, wouldn't necessarily be able to deal if it was a canon story. Well, right. Except don't they have to make everything canon stories nowadays? So I don't know if they have to. I mean, if they are... See, I wonder if they do give them a choice. That's a good question. When it comes to a video game like this that is multiplayer-centric, but yet it's adding a single-player campaign, like how much emphasis are they going to put to an actual story? Or is it just going to be, you know, limited story-wise, but just with a lot of cool, you know, mission objectives and set pieces that you're going to go through? So, I don't know. That's a good question. Curious to see how they're going to go about it. Part of me thinks, if I had to guess, that, yeah, it's going to be something that they're going to make sure is canon and they'll have to follow certain rules but at the same time i can see them going the other way too where you know let's just kind of do it how we do the multiplayer where kind of anything goes but yet it's in the single player campaign form yeah i mean i would love to see something where you know obviously like on the actual battlefield you have a lot of freedom to you know just kind of do whatever you want but they're the way that the story is structured and um you know, just sort of the setting that it's in or whatever, like, I think it'd be cool if that was canon and was actually, like, an interesting, like, deep story. And I'm not talking about, like, a Mass Effect level, uh, you know, story-driven, like, making choices and and all that kind of stuff and, you know, developing side characters and all that. But, um, you know, I don't know, something along the lines of, like, The Force Unleashed, maybe, just, you know, that level of, like... Um, you know, sort of storytelling in, like, an action-type game. And just, you know, developing, like, an, an interesting new Star Wars story and character and everything. Mm -hmm. So, I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll find out. Well, if not April, definitely uh, E3 in June. I'm sure we'll get... Oh, yeah, for sure. A lot more information there, too. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, obviously we're, we're going to get something here at uh, Celebration, so... Um, just one more thing to look out for. Um, and then in addition to that, they also announced uh, soon after the announcement that Star Wars Rebels had been renewed for a season four, um, you know, they announced that um, there's going to be an official season four panel at Celebration um, with Dave Filoni and special guests. Um, and that will be on the morning of Saturday, April 15th. So you've got, you know, the 40th anniversary celebration on Thursday, the episode eight panel on Friday, Rebels on Saturday. Um, 
and I would imagine that the EA, you know, panel will also probably be either on Friday or Saturday. Um, but, uh, man, and I wonder if we'll actually get the, get any more information about that visceral Star Wars game too. Um, I think it's visceral, right? The one that yeah. like Amy Henning is doing yep. with, uh, yeah, that they've been all secretive about and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, Hopefully we'll get kind of like we're talking about with the first Battlefront, that announcement cinematic type trailer. We'll at least get that or a teaser or something for yeah. the game, a title, hopefully. Yeah. Because um, I would think that's going to be the next game that's coming out in 2018. Yeah. So that's the plan. Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously I wouldn't expect like gameplay footage or anything, but yeah, cinematic trailer would be pretty sweet. Or just to find out what exactly it's going to be about, when it takes place, who the characters are going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, not a day is going to go by during that weekend that's not going to be exciting, and it's going to get us all pumped up and hyped up <laughs> for yep. the different corners of the Star Wars universe. I'll be like doing a movies, lot of TV shows, games, a lot of live stream watching. That's for sure. Yep, definitely. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I mean, for for any of you that are actually going to be fortunate enough to be going to Celebration this year, um, obviously got a lot to look forward to. And for those of us that are going to be, you know, just watching at home, um, you know, there'll be a lot of cool panels and stuff to uh, be able to watch online or just, you know, trailers and things to watch on YouTube and all that kind of stuff after they get released. So um, regardless of where you're going to be, um, it's, you know, going to be an awesome time for, for Star Wars fans everywhere. Another thing we should mention, too, uh about celebration was that it was announced yesterday yeah it was either yesterday or today but i'm pretty sure it was yesterday yeah it was yesterday uh where they said that celebration there's going to be no celebration for 2018 so this is going to be it until 2019 when it comes back so which i think is probably a good thing not to burn too many fans out <laughs> to making the trip to wherever it is so that's the only thing that i'm thinking about how it's not going to affect the han solo movie where it's not going to have its own celebration to have its debut, like Force Awakens, Rogue One, and The Last Jedi is going to have. So maybe they'll just strategically work it out where they'll have something at Comic-Con or some other convention. But more than likely San Diego Comic-Con, I would think. Well, so, except is the, isn't the the Han Solo movie actually still scheduled for release in the summer? Oh, that's right. That's <laughs> I forgot about that because I thought right. about that too, and I was I was thinking you know the first thing that popped into my mind when you said that was oh well if there's no celebration next year then they'll probably just have whatever panel they would have at celebration at San Diego Comic Con instead and then I'm like oh wait no because San Diego Comic Con's in July and yeah I, I'm just looking back at the press release for the Han Solo movie um, where they're talking about you know the official start of production and everything and at the end of the press release it does say uh, the untitled Han Solo Star Wars story is slated for release on May 25th 2018. So Yeah, I'm so used to these December releases now. I totally forgot about Han Solo still scheduled for May and we'll see if it changes but I don't know. The fact that they keep saying that date in the press release or the two that we've got uh, more recently leads me to believe that that's going to probably stick with that. And yeah, maybe that's part of the reason why they feel that they don't need to have a celebration because it'd be too close to it, the release of the movie and mm-hmm. it would be after it if it was in July or sometime later. So maybe that's part of the reasoning why they're not going to have one in 2018. It makes sense when you think about it that way. Yeah, possibly. Um, so yeah, we'll see. 
Um, and it'll be interesting to see, like, yeah, if they stick with that May release date, but it seems like they are. And if anything, I mean, this seems like the kind of movie that I think would fit well as just sort of like a fun, you know, summer blockbuster with just from what we've heard about um, the Han Solo movie so far and what, you know, what they're going with as far as the tone of it and the feel and everything. Um, I do kind of hope episode nine still comes out in December. As weird as it sounds to, you know, say that, like, I want to wait six more months for, for another Star Wars movie, but um, I don't know. It, I think it would just feel right having all the saga films kind of have the same like release window um yeah i agree and you know having it be around that same time of year i mean we were all used to having star wars movies come out in the summer and not around the winter time but like now that they've moved them to december i'm like okay this is star wars time now let's just have it then yep totally agree and yeah i just Love the idea, and I just hope it sticks, because that was one of my disappointments about Episode Eight movie to December from May, is about getting a Star Wars movie six months apart from each other. That just seems so, so exciting for me when thinking about walking out of the theater when we see The Last Jedi for the first time, and, oh, just six more months to go before the next Star Wars movie. That's a feeling I want to have, because <laughs> I was looking forward to that when uh, Rogue One uh came out this past december episode eight was supposed to be in may but it got changed and never had that feeling but right now i could have that with episode eight in the han solo movie so i really hope it sticks yeah except then you'll come out of that and think oh man now i have to wait another year and a half before episode nine but we got a han solo movie just six months away and that's gonna make it all better <laughs> yeah well no i mean when you come out of the han solo movie Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, because yeah. then it won't be like a, a year till episode nine. It'll be a year and a half. That's true, but I'll gladly play that price to get two Star Wars movies within six months from each other. Yeah, and who knows? You could be getting like a Siege of Mandalore DVD or something in the meantime. Not to mention probably The Last Jedi would be on Blu-ray just a month before the Han Solo movie comes out. Oh, yeah, Han there Solo you go. movie will probably come out in September on Blu-ray. So <laughs> and we'll have... You know, another Star Wars video game to look forward to that year still. So yep. Maybe another season of Rebels or the new animated series. So, yeah, <laughs> there'll be plenty. Yeah. It's like, what are we going to do with all of this Star Wars stuff? <laughs> I don't know, but we'll find some way to consume it all. Uh, yep. We'll end up looking like Jabba the Hutt by the end of it, but we'll consume yeah. it all. <laughs> uh, just full of Star Wars goodness. Yep. Um, all right. Well, I think we're just about ready to wrap it up for this episode. Um, anything else you want to add before we finish up here? Um, yeah, just real quick. Uh, we got a couple of responses from our last episode. More uh, people weighing in on the great yum nub debate. <laughs> we got some more supporters, Kyle, for the victory celebration. So we're growing. <laughs> we got uh, Jeffrey uh, Fishbotch on Twitter saying... And also, too, chiming in, because I think we mentioned, too, how maybe in a few years uh, we'll see more support come alive for Jar Jar down the line. But it's already starting, because Jeffrey says, I have I have love for Jar Jar. I prefer Victory Celebration over Yub Dub, and I'm an old fart. <laughs> so it's good to know that even the old fans, you know, can appreciate the new stuff when it's clearly better than the old. <laughs> and even Jar Jar. And then uh, Martin Alman says, at Darmit Studios, um, I don't know how I missed the poll, but I'm all for the victory celebration over Yum Dub. Also, Jar Jar rules. 
And then Tom McClellan, who got this whole debate started <laughs> after listening to the episode, he says, the last 30 minutes made me laugh so much. Thanks, guys. So much fun. So thanks to you, Tom, for getting that whole conversation started. It was a fun debate to have and then seeing the reactions come out. And then even after the episode, like Jeffrey and Martin chime in a bit. So it was all a good fun, despite Yub Dub being the winner. Okay, but victory celebrations gaining momentum, though. And and here's a mission for all our fellow victory celebration supporters: go start s- spamming Tom with tweets with the hashtag Yub Nope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I love that hashtag already. <laughs> yup, Nope. <laughs> it's perfect. Oh man. Well, we yeah, love the battle having is these kind of. Oh, what? The battle is far from over. From the oh yeah. Battle. Yeah, watch. We're gonna, you know, we're we're gonna rally the resistance. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, every episode I can chime in with some more supporters saying, "Yeah, victory celebration over Yub Dub." <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah. As always, we love having these kind of discussions and debates and stuff with you guys. So thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, you know, if you want to uh, follow us on social media and uh, tell us if you like. Yub Nope or Victory Celebration better. Um, or, you know, just talk to us about Star Wars in general or, uh, you know, let us know your thoughts or comments or questions or anything on, uh, you know, any of these rumors or anything else that we're talking about. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. You can visit our website at starwarstsc.com and you can send us email at starwarstsc at gmail.com. Um, and we always, uh, you know, like I said, just love to, you know, have fun with you guys and, uh, you know, share different reactions and, uh, you know, opinions on the saga and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, whether we're debating uh, ending songs or whether Attack of the Clones is better than Return of the Jedi, which it clearly is not. Um, <laughs> or, I think you had that the other way around, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm pretty sure I got that in the right order. Um, or, you know, trooper armors or, or favorite movies or soundtracks or any of that kind of fun stuff. So, um but anyway, we will uh, be back, you know, next time to talk about more Star Wars stuff, go on more random tangents about least favorite Clone Wars episodes. Um, although I guess next time we should probably go on a rant about our favorite episodes uh, and we can just gush about how amazing the lawless is uh, and and yep. stuff like that. But uh, that could for, be a whole episode. <laughs> that could be a whole episode just by itself. Um but, uh, you know, that that's a rant for another time. Uh, for now, we are going to just sign off and say thank you guys for listening. May the Force be with you, and we will see you next time. See you next time, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>